Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number 10 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. Uh, this week, we are talking Blaster Master for the NES and Famicom. Uh, de- developed originally by Tokai Engineering, published by Sunsoft, released in Japan, June of 88, US, November of 88, and over in Europe, not until April of 1991. So a little bit of a hiatus there. but um, Wow. I didn't realize uh, they got it three years later. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, kind of one of the classics of the NES. I think that there's very few gamers who are not probably wildly aware of this game, um, if it's not at least a favorite. But um, I don't know, seemed like an appropriate yeah. thing to do here on the early episodes. Um, although we're up to double digits now already. Yeah, yeah, episode ten. So, and this would I, it's fitting because I would consider this game to be in probably the the top ten uh, of my favorite NES games. It, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really, where I would rank it, but it's it's up there. It's a damn good game. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's get right into it. What are your uh, earliest memories? Nostalgia, fun little anecdotes about Blaster Master. Oh, definitely. Um, I had this game as a kid. I don't remember specifically when I got it. If it was, it was probably Christmas time. Uh, but I remember following it in Nintendo Power. It was in the uh, third issue, I think, and they had a whole basically a whole spread on it, um, maps and, uh, you know, walkthroughs and stuff like that. And uh, just remember being, like, fascinated by the graphics and uh, just kind of the idea of this tank that, you know, could power up and hover and shoot missiles and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, when I finally played it, not only, you know, graphically was it really, really good for the time, uh, but the music was just phenomenal. And I remember it just really... Uh, the tunes just sort of sticking with me. And this was kind of where my love of like NES Sunsoft music came from. Uh, later on, I'd learned that pretty much all the, the Sunsoft classic music was done by the same guy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things I, I can still, if I listen to the music, I still get nostalgia for it. If I play the game, uh, you know, I, I still remember a lot of, uh, you know, what I enjoyed as a kid. So yeah, the guy who did this, he did a lot of the like really, really well-known soundtracks. Um, <clears throat> Platoon, I remember being just, you know, <laughs> not the best game, but um, mm-hmm. it definitely had a, a you know catchy song. Uh, Batman. Yeah. Oh, Batman. Yeah, Phenomenal that's, music. That's a that's a huge one. Um, yeah. Spy, Spy Hunter. I remember being good too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Spy um, Hunter was my. Uh, well, I said Super Mario Brothers. Spy Hunter was my first game uh, that I got for the system. So that music just constantly sticks with me. Well, it's yeah. Hunter in elevator action, but <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. But Fester's Quest did the music for that also. Uh, yep. Journey to Silius, 
Uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, Naoki Kodaka is his name, uh, who is now currently a uh, professor of music at several universities. There you go. So that's pretty fascinating. Good for him. kind of looking it up on uh, Wikipedia here. Um, Super Spy Hunter did the music for that, which is really good. Uh, Batman Return of the Joker, also a really good soundtrack. So, um, yeah, it, musically, I think that... Uh, uh, I think that he had a really good grasp of what the NES was capable of um, as far as the sound chip, because the, especially in Blaster Master, I mean, not only are the melodies really good, but uh, there's a lot of really good percussion and uh, a lot of depth to to the music. I mean, you know, we're talking 1988 when the NES is really, really um, starting to get big. And this is just a prime example of, um, you know, really putting a lot of effort in and, and discovering what the system is capable of. Well, and it does so with very small little riffs, which I think was, you know, it's, it's one of those challenges, you know, and I'm no composer. I definitely couldn't do this, but to be able to make such an iconic score from essentially like three or four lines of music and, mm-hmm. you know, you just repeat that ad nauseum but yet it doesn't get annoying and it still feels like you've got this whole long, you know, f- fully fleshed out, you know, music track. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really a feat, you know, an accomplishment. Um, yeah. I especially like the, uh, I think it's the stage four music when you're going through like the sewers and it's, it, you know, it's got that sort of underlying melody and then it starts to slow down a little bit. And then there's like the, the frog sound at the end and then it, it starts over again. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's slightly ominous, but uh, still cool. So, yeah, I do not remember when I got this. Uh, it's one of those cartridges that I've just had for as long as I've had the NES for the most part. Sure. Um, but, and I can't remember if it was like a friend had it because I feel like that's where I ended up getting a lot of you know game ideas. Was I played it at a buddy's house or whatever? And if I had oh, any. If I knew anybody that had this, I can't remember it, but it might have just been one of those. I went and rented it from the grocery store and fell in love with it. So, you know, begged my parents to buy it for me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I mean, I've always loved it. I think that it's, you know, the, the music just completely catches you. The, um, the world, like I've said this, I think on every episode we've done, like I love games that just have that like epic feeling world. And this one mm-hmm. definitely does. And, you know, it's it makes it feel even bigger because you're driving around in this tank. And when you jump out, like you're just this tiny little dot on the screen. Yeah. And it's like yeah. just, these worlds just seem that much more gigantic. Um, and as you start getting further and further into the game and you realize like there's, you know, eight different areas, each one is, you know, fairly expansive this is a really, really mm-hmm. big map when you're all, when you're all done with it. And oh, it's, um, it's, you know, you really feel like you're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the earth as you, mm. you know, start progressing. But uh, yeah, great music, uh, huge world. Uh, and, you know, we've said this on a couple of other episodes too. This is a game that really does a good job of just making you feel accomplished by the time you're done. Because oh, you yeah. get all of those power ups, you know, each boss that you defeat, you know, it's, it's a, the game's pretty formulaic if you haven't played it. Um, mm. There's eight different areas. You start in the first area, driving your tank around. There's a couple little caves that you can pop out of the tank and go in as just, um, you know, on foot. 
and the screen changes to kind of an overhead bird's eye view shooter. Um, and one one cave in each area has a big boss that when you defeat him, you get an upgrade that lets your tank you know, gain either a better weapon or more mobility or something like that that lets you then get into the next area. And yeah, by the time you're all said and done, I mean, you're just a complete badass. Like this thing can fly, this thing can swim, this thing can climb walls and climb ceilings. Like it's, it really is fun mm-hmm. to just go run all over the world and just go anywhere. Well, and, and the other nice thing, I mean, obviously um, this game was inspired quite a bit by Metroid and seeing a lot of the spots in uh, the first couple levels where you can't get to them yet. And at first, you know, you're kind of struggling like, oh, there's got to be a way to, you know, maybe I can glitch my way up to this platform or I can, um, you know, get hit by an enemy, jump up, whatever. And you really can't. Um, it's not until you get different power-ups for your, your vehicle, you know, then you got to think, okay, I got past that boss. Now, where is the entrance to the next level? And then you think, oh, shit, there was a platform, you know, at the very beginning of the game, and now I have the hover, so maybe I can get up there now, uh, which is really cool. Uh, it's really neat that there's a, a huge amount of uh, this game to explore. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, and what's so funny about it is that it's the kind of thing you you really have to pay attention to how like where the different areas are because you're going to do backtracking you know as you kind of go mm-hmm. around and like to get to area four it's actually you know right above the entrance to area one you just didn't know it yet because you couldn't fly and right. so throughout the course of the game you know you're you're moving forward backwards up down all around mm-hmm. and but it's also intelligently laid out because each new upgrade you get kind of allows you to very quickly traverse through areas that took you you know, a good half an hour to cover the first time through. Now you can backtrack through them like in a couple seconds um, because of some little yeah, short, that's a good shortcut that opens up. So it's it's a very well designed game too. Um, yeah, especially um, once you get the uh, was it the hyper shot in uh, after three, and then you can shoot through the um, sections of level two to get through to the next part. So right, uh, yeah. But you know what's funny is um, I got to think back in in playing this for this episode um you know i it's one that i don't know i i played it every maybe once a year or a couple every couple years um but i've I've found that i'm not nearly as good at it as i used to be but then in doing some research for the show i was going back i was looking through nintendo power um, i was looking through the instruction manual and i i guess maybe because i don't have the original box and instructions anymore but looking through that i mean they pretty much point you in the direction of where to go uh, the entire time. Yep. Which is kind of funny, um, you know, especially now if you've got a card-only copy or something like that and you wanted to just play through it without any, you know, internet assistance or anything, you're going to have a pretty tough time. But just looking at the um, the instruction manual, I mean, it, it basically shows you every stage, uh, where to find the boss, and then it shows you the actual layout of how the stages are grouped together. And I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of the tips that I threw out there later is, you know, well, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, I almost didn't want to put it in there because it's just like, you shouldn't have to say this. But yeah, use the instruction mm-hmm. manual because it's, right. you know, I'm, I'm flipping through mine right now. And you, you would kind of expect that it would give you all the just kind of annoying things like, oh, here's what this power-up does. Here's what all the buttons do. And it's got all of that. But then it also goes through and shows you, you know, okay, when you beat 
the boss in stage one, you get the crusher, which is a super cannon. In stage two, you get the hyper beam, which is wall crushing. Stage three, hover. You know, so it, it doesn't. It tells you right there, like when you're going to get each power up. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, the overall map where it shows you here's all eight areas. Here's how they're connected. You know, huh. to get to get to area eight, you have to go through one to two to three to eight. Like it's, and then yeah, mm-hmm. l- little maps of each one. Like they're all there. So. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you know, you would look at this game and think, oh my God, this game is so difficult and I don't remember where to go. But, you know, if you just took a look through the booklet, I mean, yep. man. <laughs> yeah, it's it almost cracks- so obvious you wouldn't think about it. Uh huh. Yeah, it cracks me up that there's a, you know, blurb that just flat out says on page uh, 15 to reach stage eight, you must return to stage two, then go to stage three. The door to stage mm-hmm. eight is in stage three. <laughs> right. like, yeah, it's like it doesn't get any clearer than that. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, although there is a typo in the book too, which I think is fun where they're kind of showing all of the different bosses. Um, mm-hmm. They, they put them in the wrong order, but uh, you know, Oh yeah, they did. Yep. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause the second to last boss is right there on the first page of, of the bosses. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I've played through this. Oh, I don't know how many times, but I, I try to pull it out at least once a year. Although I think that I've only managed to play through it from beginning to end, maybe once in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once I know for sure, I might've done it a second time, but the one time I did it, I was, a, uh, I mean, I was still a kid and yeah. was impressed that I was able to do it because, you know, replaying it again this week to try to, you know, catch up on it. I, you know, got uh, about 75% of the way through and ran out of continue. So it's, it's yeah. not a gar- not a guaranteed win for sure. Um, My skills have definitely deteriorated on this game uh, just in the past few years. But uh, yeah, there, I, there I need to play it more often, more regularly to get back in the groove of it. There are definitely some some tips and things that you can you know do to help, and uh, there's there's a lot of memory to it. Where like if you play it a couple of times in a row, like obviously you'll get a little bit more proficient. Um, mm-hmm. picking it, picking it up once a year, you know, that's a little bit more challenging that way. And yeah. you know, I, I kind of want to take a little bit of time and talk about the challenge of the game, because I do think that this is one of those just very notoriously difficult games. Um, mm-hmm. the only way that I was able to beat it when I was a kid was, you know, I played it for, you know, an hour or two, then I would pause it, turn the TV off, but leave the Nintendo on, you know, go to have dinner, go to bed, go ahead school the next day come home the next night turn the tv on and keep playing but like i couldn't do it in one sitting because yeah if you're quick it's about a three and a half to four hour playthrough Mm -hmm. but this is a game that has no save points no passwords no um (laughs) no no way to save it all and Mm -hmm. you get four continues so it's a single sitting type game brutal right yeah, I've got some nostalgia on on playing this game as a kid. I don't know if I, I can't for, say for sure if I've ever beaten it. I do remember seeing like the second to last boss, but I don't remember if I ever saw the very last boss. But um, I do have some some memories of the game that stick out of playing this game as a kid with a couple of friends. And I do remember that we were playing it in like a Saturday afternoon, and we got to. Uh, what's the ice level? Is it stage five or six? Six. Might be six. Yeah. Um, 
and there's a part where I remember on the way to the boss, there was a section that you had to shoot the blocks out to get to the doorway. So I remember we were playing it. We got to that part. We shot the blocks out and parked the car, got out, went in, beat the boss, came back out, only to discover that, you know, somebody had parked the car on where the blocks were. And so in this game, you know, when you, when you enter a door and then you come back out, the enemies respawn, the blocks respawn, stuff like that. So at that point, I do remember the car was specifically stuck in the blocks. <laughs> and there was nothing that we could do. Um, that, you know, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, no save points, no passwords, no nothing. So, um, you know, after that, I, I just remember like either everyone left or we played something else or we were just pissed. Yeah. At that point, at that point you don't say, Oh, we'll try it again. No, that you're, that's a, no, no. I mean, we were like three hours in at that point. There's no way. That's a, that's a rage quit. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So um, for some reason that always sticks with me, but I came close to beating it another time. And it was one of those where like, every time I play this, I forget that you have a limited number of continues. Uh And I think I had just finished Maybe it's about the same time. Just finished stage six, and you've got to backtrack, a, you know, a long way to go all the way through to stage seven. Mm. So I knew, that, like, I, w- I was almost dead, and I was like, "Oh, if I just like kill myself and continue, mm-hmm. I'll get to, I'll start at the beginning of the entrance or of the at the entrance to the area, which will save uh-huh. me a ton of time." So I just like, you know, jumped on some spikes, blew up, and I'm like, "All right," <laughs> and then it just shows the title screen, and I'm like. Oh, yeah. you sons of bitches. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd be pissed at that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's just like, oh, hmm. what? No. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the only thing. I, I don't understand why at least a password system wasn't implemented. Yeah. You know, you know maybe maybe that one in their eyes made it too easy, but God, it'd be something. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, in, in light of doing this episode i also um was playing through blaster master zero the new one for the 3ds and switch and Mm -hmm. it's essentially a complete remake you know just a a modernization of the game but one of the things Mm -hmm. that they do add is they have save points they add um a lot of extra power-ups just a a in-game map all sorts of things that make the game considerably easier um, yeah, I mean, a lot of modernization, I guess, so to speak. Right. Uh, yeah. And so kind of one of the things that I was curious about or wanted to get your opinion on, you know, and I think this is something that's a pretty common topic within retro gaming, is like when I think to a game like Blaster Master, um, to me, one of the challenges of this game is the fact that you only have your four continues. There's no way mm-hmm. to get extra lives there's no way to save it. So it's going to be a four hour one setting game. Now with modern technology, there are options for, you know, finding ways around that, like even playing it on the virtual console, um, Mm -hmm. like the Wii Wii version. Yeah. yeah, You can pause it on the home screen, shut the system off, come back a week later and you're at the same spot or yeah, Mm -hmm. the, the 3ds virtual console has the save state options. Um, do you consider that valid? Or does that mm. diminish the play, you know, the, the fun of the playthrough? Because, you know, like I've heard arguments on both sides. I've heard people say that, you know, well, if they had the technology to put the save state in back in mm-hmm. 88, they probably would have. So that's not really cheating. It's just. No, 
But so, I mean, Metroid used passwords at the time. I mean, it could have right. been done, but sure. uh, I don't know. It's it's a double-edged sword because, uh, you know, obviously one of the, the hallmarks of this game is the difficulty. But at the same time, I think, and, you know, as, as we kind of, you know, get older and have jobs and families and stuff like that, our, our time commitments for playing games are significantly less. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm playing, you know, maybe a couple hours every night, um, different games and whatnot, but I'm, I don't always have the time anymore to just sit down and commit to like a three hour playthrough of an NES game. So it's like, I would have liked to have passwords on there, but at the same time, I don't know. It, it goes both ways because on the other hand, you know, if I played this enough that I practiced at it, I got really good at it, you know, I could run through it. But at the same time, for, for lack of, of a better word, um, you know, I'm getting old and I want my, you know, save games, I guess. I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to say, but it just depends because I liked Blaster Master Zero. But on the other hand, I felt that it was almost too easy. Yes, very much so. You know, like it was it, it's a fun nostalgic retro style game but it's not as challenging as this one did i enjoy it yeah but um i don't know i guess it's hard to say i would say maybe it would be nice to have you know passwords or something and i suppose i could save state it if i was playing on an emulator or virtual console but i tend to be more of a purist and want to play it on the original hardware so i can i can respect that you know it's done like that probably on purpose but I don't always have the time commitment to play through the whole thing. Right. You know, and and that's kind of the way I look at it. Like for people that want to use save state and that sort of a, you know, added feature Mm. that that's fine. I'm not going to like begrudge anybody for it, but it's just for me personally, I'm like you, I like the idea of a save state because, you know, I don't have the time to just sit down and play games, you know, for long periods of time. But if I do want to play through Blaster Master, like, okay, I can load it up on my 3DS, play, mm-hmm. you know, an hour here, an hour there, and that works just fine. Um, right. But there's something to be said about sitting down and committing the four hours to actually getting a full playthrough mm-hmm. of it. And I also think that it's one of those just kind of like bragging rights kind of things, you know, to be able to say mm-hmm. like, well, I beat it, but I beat it with save state. It's like, or... No, I I beat a cartridge. Like it, it's it is a different type of thing. Um, well, I just thought of something too. The the other challenge then of playing the Blaster Master on original hardware without passwords or anything, um, you know, that's really challenging. Not only in the gameplay department, but uh, given how notoriously finicky the toaster model NES is, there's always the chance that you'd get you know midway through this game, and then it would either you know freeze or reset or blank out or something like that. So yep. um, there, there could be a lot of frustration there due to hardware error that, uh, you know, could also be avoided with passwords, but I don't know. So it happened to me the first Maybe time I got, you might write down the password the wrong way and, and be screwed either way. But that's true too. Yeah. My, my NES glitched out on me the first time I got to the last stage of ghosts and goblins. Um, oh God. I <laughs> was not, I was not happy that day. <laughs> I wouldn't be either. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, considering I just said that, like, the first time I beat Blaster Master was, you know, I paused it, walked away for a day and a half, came back and finished mm-hmm. it then. Like, I don't right. see that that's really any different than save state. So that's true. That's it's true. just 
I'm, if you do it on a 3ds you're saving yourself some uh yeah you know wear and tear on the hardware i guess but <laughs> you just i guess you're lucky that when you came back to the nes that it was still fully operational and working yeah um all righty so we've talked about the challenge which again is is huge uh don't mm-hmm. forget about that book i mean keep the instruction manual handy and sure. um you know use that because man that's i mean it, it, it is. It's just, it's like, wow, like that even says like, oh, that's where the boss is. <laughs> He's right there. He's right there. Yeah. Um, Doesn't tell you that you can, uh, you know, cheese the bosses with the grenade trick though. At least some of them. <laughs> that's true too. Did you ever use that? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I. It's one of those where it's like, I don't consider that kind of a thing a cheat either because it's built into the game. True. And it's, I, I'm perfectly able to beat all of the bosses without it. Yeah. But every now and then, if I'm just trying to like, you know, speed play or just, you know, a casual game. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Or like, if I'm down to like one bar of health left, then it's like, okay, pull out this one. <laughs> yeah. I just like the fact that, that you can do it. I think that that's, you know, even if it is a unintended glitch, I think it's just, it's, it's such a cool idea though, to have that in the background of just, you know, um, if you're having trouble, you could just, you know, throw a bunch of grenades and pause it and uh, it will still take damage until you unpause it, which in a modern game, that's something that would get patched out immediately. Oh, yeah. But uh, the fact that it, it exists is, is kind of cool. So Right. Well, and I mean, little exploits like that, like, I feel like that's kind of what made retro gaming what it was. Sure. Is, yeah, like you, you went know, over to your friend's house, you're like, oh, watch this, I'm going to beat this boss, I'm not going to take any damage, you do that, and so it's like, how the hell do you do that? Right. Well, and, you know, before we had walkthroughs and before we had, you know, the internet and everything like that, like those little tips and the stage select codes, the things mm-hmm. that are just built into the game, all those little Easter eggs and whatever, like that's what made the games what they were. Yeah. And, you know, we all know those little secrets that are hidden in different games. And okay. that's what's uh, that's what adds the charm to a lot yeah. of those, at least for me. So Absolutely. or you know, like you, there's a very similar trick you can do in. um in Mega Man with the uh, the pause trick on the elect beam. Oh, you ever do? Yeah, I use that all the time. You, I almost can't beat that rock monster without it. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna say, I, um, you know, like tricks like these occasionally, like you'd find in like game players or EGM or or something like that. And uh, like for me, like I can remember, like if I was reading like a gaming magazine at the grocery store or something, you know, while my parents were getting groceries, like oh my god, there's this hot trick in here. It's like Okay, like either I can't, my you know parents wouldn't buy me the magazine or something, so I have to get like a pen and like write it on my hand or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Furiously copying this cheat down so I can try it when I get home. Right. So. Yeah. Or how how many like I I knew more codes and passwords than I did like phone numbers as a kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can still yeah I can still tell you the. Uh, uh, Password to get to Mike Tyson and, and punch out 0073935963. But <laughs> I couldn't tell you what I couldn't tell you what somebody's phone number is. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Selective memory, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were the things that just got hammered into us. So <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh the story of this because I think that that's one of the most interesting parts about it too. <laughs> uh, we we always kind of bring up some differences between you know, the regional releases, but, uh, man, I think that's one of the, this is one of the biggest jumps from there. They're not even the same game when you look no, at the, the story of the two. Actually. And it's interesting because I didn't know that 
I guess I didn't realize there was a Famicom version of this game um, until several years ago. I just always, I don't know. I mean, the, the American NES version has been so ingrained in my memory that it just, to me, it always seemed like it was a game that was created for the American market, but that wasn't the case at all. Uh, yeah, it's it's very different. And, you know, before we get there, let's talk about just the American story, because I think that this is, even as a kid, I thought, like, this is the most ridiculous thing <laughs> right? ever. You know, yeah. you wa- watch that opening credits, and it's about this kid who's got a pet frog who gets mm-hmm. away, leaps out, you know, goes outside into the front yard, finds a box of radioactive waste, turns gigantic, mm-hmm. goes down into the ground. The you, know, you the kid follows him uh-huh. and happens to find a giant tank and a suit. So he's like, all right, I'll put this on and go chase my giant frog. Mm-hmm. T- turns out there's huge mo- mutants all over the place, but like, there's no explanation for that. Like, no, not at all. Why, why did this happen to other animals? Mm-hmm. And why did you kill your giant frog in stage four, but then keep going and go kill other giant animals? <laughs> and why did your parents buy a house that had radioactive waste in the backyard and a tank <laughs> underneath? I mean, you know, I know it's the 80s, that's fine, but wouldn't a home inspection have uncovered these things to say, hey, um, you know, maybe you shouldn't buy this house? See, when I was a kid watching that intro, I always thought that that box that the frog jumped on was one of those like green power boxes that's in the like everybody's front yard oh, yeah. um, or in the back corner. So yeah. like as a kid, I would always like, you know, stay away from those. I'm like, I don't want to like turn gigantic or you know, <laughs> if I like found a frog hopping around a yard, I'd like throw it at it or something. <laughs> right. Giant Scott just leaps into the ground and takes off. Yeah, I was always hoping, but it never actually happened. Yeah. Well, you know, the the entire plot of the American version kind of seems like a, a bad 80s kids movie. You know, like, uh, well, not really a kids movie, like sort of kids horror, you know, kind of like The Gate or something like that. Yeah. Where it would just be like, you know, oh, this eight-year-old kid, you know, his pet frog goes in the backyard, turns into a mutant, goes into the ground, and there's a tank, and now he's, you know, fighting monsters. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, it could have made for a good Amazing Stories episode, I guess. Yeah. But then the Japanese one is, like, completely different and actually makes mm-hmm. way more sense. Um, just talking here from the Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. uh, basically that there's a planet, Sophia the Third, that... Yeah, which is the name of the tank in the American version. Uh, although that's never listed anywhere. Really? Nope. I swear we, it was. We've come to know that that's the name of the tank because of the uh-huh. sequels. But if you read the instruction book, that tank's name is not listed anywhere. No shit. Okay. No. Even uh-huh. at the very the very last page where it gives like dimensions of vehicle, like it's got uh-huh. all the specs, but nope. I, I read the thing cover to cover because I was sure that that was part of the story. But nope, Sophia the Third is not mentioned in the huh. U.S. instruction manual anywhere. One of those weird urban legends, I guess. Yeah, they, they've retconned it and it is since become the name of the tank but okay it wasn't there um but yeah so sophia the third was the name of the planet and basically it was an advanced civilization uh then some dark army aliens came and uh invaded um as they do as that exactly Mm -hmm. and it was a science academy on a satellite that orbited near sophia the third that they they survived the invasion, built a weapon, which was a tank called the Metal Attacker. 
mm-hmm. and sent it to that planet with a young soldier named Kane, and he was out basically stopping the alien invaders. Now, playing the game, that makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but, true. But it's no, you know, rescuing your pet frog and then finding all these weird monsters. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I would have liked the game as much if it had been, you know, right. a logical story. <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. Well, then there was the book, too, which mm-hmm. we both... Well, I don't have... I don't have it's my copy out. anymore. I know that you do, and you've got it sitting there. But... My original. Yeah, this is the only one that I have of the series, but uh, um, I picked it up at a book fair, probably, I don't know what grade that would have been, but yeah. very early on. Uh, you know, what year did this come out? Uh, 1990. Okay. Yeah, I read it. I read the book as a kid. I don't remember much about it, but I remember that I had that whole series, and... Oh, you know yeah. what? The, Sophia the Third is mentioned in the book as the tank name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Page 37, it says, uh, you know, the other will stay with Sophia Third. So maybe that's where they got it. Maybe they originated there, or maybe it yeah. was, like, intended to be part of the game. It just didn't actually make it into the manual. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's funny that, you know, that book has now kind of become canon for the franchise, mm-hmm. um, which... Like I said, I, I, I had all of those books as a kid. Half of them were fairly, you know, accurate uh, storytellings or novelizations of the games. Others mm-hmm. were just so far out there and, yeah. you know, yeah. almost unrecognizable. And I don't remember which way the Blaster Master book was. But, um, yeah, I was interest, or intrigued to learn that uh, not only did Blaster Master Zero, like, basically remake the first game, but also introduced elements from the book. Mm-hmm. But also the um, there's a Blaster Master for PS1 mm-hmm. that is marketed as the direct sequel to the book. So yeah, yeah, they really <laughs> took that book and said this is canon. So there must be something good in it. So listeners, if you're uh, putzing around on eBay, maybe go buy it. Yeah, well, I think it's it's pretty obvious that uh, you know FX9, whoever he is, the pseudonym, obviously, um, at least he played Blaster Master. Um, you know, because just kind of reading through the book, it's like, okay, either he played through it or he, you know, read the Nintendo Power and the instruction book. But I don't know. But uh, you know, just looking back, I know some of those other Worlds of Power books really don't have much to do with the games. I think we were talking about uh, Simon's Quest before we started recording. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> that... like it has nothing to do with anything even remotely connected to Simon's Quest. Yeah, it was pretty far out there. If I remember right, Wizards and Warriors was out there. Um, mm. I think Mega Man 2 was... It, it, I got the impression that maybe all he had done was like look at the cover of the game because they, <laughs> right. they definitely played up the whole he was part human thing, which I was like, I was like this is bad. <laughs> yeah, especially if you were going off the American cover art of Mega Man. That's, that's yeah. not a good way to write a no, but that's I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I don't know. I haven't read the book in a long time, but I would be kind of intrigued. I was trying to find if it, if there was a scan of it somewhere online, like there was with the uh, Simon's Quest, but I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I don't think you can buy an ebook from you know the Kindle store either. So <laughs> nor do nor is it on Audible. My is my guess. Yeah. Oh man, there's totally a market for this. Then all right, patent pending. Nobody steal our idea, but we're totally doing audiobooks of these. There you go. Yeah. You did you did your Dagon thing a while ago. You got the voice for it. 
That's true. Yeah, we could, I could bring that back to some worlds of power. Maybe <laughs> I'd buy it if we ever get a, a Patreon going. Maybe we'll uh, we'll use that as a reward or something. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. So, what else do we want to talk about here with this game? I've got a couple tips and tricks. Not anything too uh, groundbreaking, but um, I just I, did, I just wanted to mention. I guess um, if I haven't talked about it already, the um, the graphic detail of this game and um, just how, how good it looks. I mean, I think it's still graphically, I think it still holds up, but um, just the, the sprite work in general, how your the vehicle, like the tires independently move and, yeah. you know, the, the vehicle kind of shakes up and down a little bit um, as you're driving it. It just feels, um, it feels good. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know. smooth. Yeah. Especially for a game, you know, of its age, considering how big the maps are, you don't see a lot of, I mean, there's some flicker when there's a lot of enemies on screen, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you don't see a lot of the, the, the garbage on the sides of the screen like in some games. Uh, I think it's it's just really, really well programmed, which is another reason why the game holds up so well. Well, and this was also in an era when, like, Metroid was a, you know, a common example of one that was a kind of big maze like this, but... Mm-hmm. Metroid is a very repetitive and boring game to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I love it, but they use the same um, like platform textures over and over and over and over sure. again to a you know redundant state. And part of that's the Blaster Master. What's that? I said so does Blaster Master, just differently though. But, but I feel like there's so much more variety. Like I don't feel that when I play Blaster Master, and part of it's because you've got the eight areas that are all so you know, uniquely different. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I just feel like there's more background, there's more layering, like it just has a, a, a different, Yeah, it's it's more appealing to look at, you know, than something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you think about like when this came out, you know, November of 88, we were right on the cusp of Super Mario Brothers 2, you know, a month earlier. Mm. Um, mm. It, Zelda 2 was still another month away. So... Yeah. I mean, they. This was long before you had the really fancy graphics. So for something to play this smoothly and to look this bright and good is really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why you know that's why it holds up still. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I don't know. It's just uh, there's there's something about this game is is just magic. I think in in the way it's pulled off, which is why yeah. I keep coming back to it. Yep, for sure. All right, do a little tips and tricks, then leave some final reviews. Sure. Tips and tricks. So, didn't have a whole lot to go on here. This game is actually pretty devoid of any major, like, Easter eggs or things hidden in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of already talked about a couple, like, the, the one obvious one, you use your instruction manual. Um, yeah. Like I said, it maps out exactly where your bosses are, exactly where your... Uh, you know, gates are from one region to another. Um, it's it's not completely filled out, so you've still got to do a little bit of exploration, but it's, you know, gone are the days of, like, you know, Metroid 2 where you're backtracking for hours trying to figure out where the one little entrance is to the next region. Yeah, um, I, but there's still that possibility, I guess, if you didn't have the instruction booklet, because there's so many there's so many little areas that you can get into Oh yeah, that either have, you know, a gun power up or, or nothing. Um, oh, that was something I meant to mention too. Um, was just the the amount, especially on the uh, 
the overhead stages, how you have the um, the gun power ups mm-hmm. that you know as you as you collect them, then you go from this little pea shooter to uh, to a fully powered up gun. But another part of the difficulty of this is when you when you get hit and take damage, you actually lose part of your gun. Right. Which that can yeah, be really tough too. It, it can, and that adds an extra layer of challenge. And you know, one of my one of my tips was going to be that you know, there's so many of these little caves that you can go into, mm-hmm. and most of them are kind of pointless. Other than there's a lot of little power ups you can find, either your homing missiles or your um, you know the lightning, the different you know sub weapons mm-hmm. for the tank. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, the little F charge things. They give that make your gun more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're worth getting, and there's a couple spots in the game where you absolutely have to have the fully charged gun. Um, but you have to be really careful with some of those caves because there's a lot of enemies that are very difficult to get past. Mm-hmm. And if if on your way into the cave you start taking a lot of damage, you're probably better off just turning around and leaving because yeah. even if at the very end you get you know one of the flashing. F charges, you're probably going to lose it by the time you get back out. So it's just, it's not worth it. Um, there's a couple really good ones that uh, are, are a great way to kind of fill that up. And it's it, every time you leave the cave and go back in, it's it's there again. So you can kind of keep going back. Yeah. Um, but then like but once you... Also, it's going to add to your playtime too, though. That's true. Yeah. Um, but once you do get it fully charged, it's best to stay in the tank until you're at the you know the boss cave because mm-hmm. any of those others that you go into getting hit is just going to you know decrease that gun um yeah luckily when you're out of the tank still in the side scroller mode getting hit does not decrease your gun no so, but you take a lot more damage so true but um yeah you don't have to worry about it as much at that point but yeah. um yeah the one example of that where you absolutely have to have the fully powered gun in my opinion is to get past stage 5 which mm-hmm. is the, the swimming level. Yeah. Um, there's the big crab that's, but mm-hmm. he's spitting out these bubbles. And by the end of it, he's got so many of them on the screen that unless you have that big wave gun, you mm-hmm. almost just can't get through. Um, there's one spot kind of toward the beginning of the area before you, there's like a, a big pit that you sink down and you've got to shoot the blocks that kind of are the cap on the top of the pit. Mm-hmm. Um before you do that, go just to the right of those blocks, and there's a spot you can jump out of your tank and go swim up, and there's a cave up there. Uh, it's really easy to get through that cave. You're not going to take a lot of damage, and you can refill your gun there. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to go in once or twice to do it, get back in the tank, and then just stay in until you get to the last uh, section of the area. But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you've got to get to that crab with the full gun. Or, yeah. or you're going to have a bad time. Gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the fact that you can use the grenade trick to beat some of the bosses. Um, it definitely works on bosses two, four, six, and seven. Um, the trick is basically you, you got to throw a grenade, and when it's when it hits the the boss and they just start flashing like they're taking damage, mm-hmm. pause pause the game and just leave it paused for a good you know 30, 45 seconds, something like that, um, mm-hmm. and they're still going to take damage while the game is paused. You unpause it they die um some of them the, the the timing is hard to get it down just right like the the crabs and the lobster bosses you've got to kind of get the grenade to hit just in the right spot but um yeah, yeah it's like when the mouth is open specifically at different right. parts and stuff like that yeah although i to be perfectly honest i found that 
if you can keep the gun charged up, most of these bosses are easier to beat with just your regular gun. Uh Um, Number one, because you can keep some range. The grenade is very short range and you got to get real close to them. And they all have a very uh, pretty simple pattern. So if you just kind of stay back in the corner and watch what they're doing, don't Mm -hmm. get too antsy that they're really not that bad. Um, I usually I think the size of the box usually and the um, like the graphic detail of them itself can be kind of intimidating at first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Their their size definitely. Mm. Um, But yeah, like even the frog, like I think the frogs are some of the easiest bosses in the game because they have a very distinct pattern and it's very easy to avoid. Um, One of the most one of the most challenging ones for me every time is always boss three, which is the cubes. Oh Um, yeah. But it's yeah. actually, if, if you play it a couple of times, you notice that the cubes all show up in a similar pattern. They go across the top row from left to right, mm-hmm. and then they go down the sides, alternating from left to right, left to right, left to right. And if you just kind of stay back, keep your distance, but like anticipate when they're going to show up, mm-hmm. it, it's really not that, that tough. But you can get overwhelmed if you just kind of don't keep your cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe think of something when you were talking about the um, the gun power ups and the uh, the bosses too. But uh, I think that's another facet of this game that as you get really good at it, um, that you know if you're practiced enough that you have a full full gun powered up, then um, it becomes a lot more enjoyable and fun. And there's more satisfaction, I guess, when you you know uh, just beat this boss without taking any damage and filled it with a full powered up gun. Right. So. Um, the other little interesting thing that you know you might might not have actually noticed when you played through it is Jason's health. Every time you jump in the tank and jump back out, it'll mm-hmm. refill your health completely. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you're there, there's a couple spots where you have to leave the tank. There's you know toward the end of stage five is especially one that always makes me nervous because it's a pretty long stretch that you have yeah. to go without the tank and you're swimming and there's lots of enemies that you've got to either swim around or shoot, you're going to start taking some damage. Most of them are good about dropping power, but Mm -hmm. in case they don't, don't be afraid to just backtrack, get in the tank real quick, come back out and try again because, you know, limited continues. You don't want to die. Um, But that's a good point. Um, Because even I think to get into stage five, um, you're, Where's that? That's um, that's in four. You get go through one side of the wall, and then there's there's like a lock on the other side of the key. Yes. And you get out of the tank, go up the ladder. You know, just as Jason is just a tiny little sprite. But then there's uh, one, two, three, four. There's like four or five platforms, I think, that you have to jump down, and there's a turret up there. Um, you know, all of which you have to sort of navigate without falling to your death. Uh, which that's sort of the first kind of the warm-up, I guess, for what you're talking about in five, you know, when you have to sort of navigate that without, you know, with, with more skill, I guess, is what I'm Right, thinking. right. Yeah, so uh, use the tank as a little bit of a quick um, health boost. Mm-hmm. And the only other one that I can give you is, and it's I hesitate to say this because you do have limited continues, so you don't want to waste too much time or backtrack unnecessarily, but I highly advise that you don't go into any of the boss rooms unless you're at full health. Um, mm. These mm. guys are not easy. And mm. especially if you haven't been playing the game a lot, odds are you're not going to do that well if you don't have full health. 
Um, we know the you know the trick to that. Uh, as the boss room is flashing, the music is starting. You know you can exit the room, right? Right. So if if you don't know the map real well, which I'm guessing you don't. Yeah. I right when you walk in, in the room. Yeah. If you stumble in, you're not fully. You're not at full health. Back out real quick before the boss shows up, and mm. you know go go kill a few more enemies to get your health back up. Maybe get your gun up if you can. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the uh, caves that have a boss in them don't have a whole lot of the F charge to get your gun going. But um, that's true. Yeah. See, see what you Although can find the, so that you can at least try to get your health at max. The gun powers don't drop randomly from enemies, do they? Uh, some of them they do. Oh wait, yeah, some of those. Them turn, like, I think like those those cubes that shoot the lasers that just kind of sentry back and forth. Yeah, they're pretty good about dropping them, and so are the big the like enemies, the robot faces. Yeah, um, but I, mean, I guess if you really wanted to, you know, if you had the time, if you if you like to grind a little bit, I guess you could do so if you wanted to. Yeah, it's it's just one of the best skills you can have in this game is having the wisdom to know when it's worth going after something and when it's not. Yeah. Because I've done that, you know, and I've thought like, okay, I'll go, you know, kill some enemies just to try to get a little bit more health and you know, over time, like, you know, cause every time you get hit, you lose a little bit of that gun. And mm-hmm. b- before you know it, you know, you've gained maybe one or two health, but you've lost like five gun points. It's just like, screw right. it. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's a wash. It's not worth it. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the risks just aren't usually worth taking. Um, enemies move kind of randomly enough and it's kind of hard enough to get the good angles that you're probably going to take a lot of damage as you play this. And that's just, the nature of the game so mm-hmm. uh, i mean if you're, if, if you're good enough that you can avoid taking damage as you're going through then you probably don't need tips and tricks but <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's really all i've got i just you know take it slow pay attention to where you're going it's it's fun to try to explore every little nook and cranny but mm-hmm. you know this is the game that really does benefit from multiple playthroughs uh you know kind of like I, I know the first three or four areas really well because that's usually you know the minimum mm-hmm. of where I'll get. Yeah. So for those, I know these caves are worth going into. These are not. So you can just kind of skip past the stuff you don't need. Um, once I get past that, it's a little bit more fuzzy, and uh, I can't quite remember which ones to avoid and which ones not to. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I know my way through, you know, from stage one through stage four. And then when I get to about five is where I, I start to um, to not do so well. And that's about where I've, you know, where I've gotten to in recent playthroughs is you know, I kind of get to five. And it's like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? But yeah. you know, I have to go back and look at the manual now. But uh, no. Well, and I think you get a pretty steep uh, difficulty curve. Yeah. Start, starting around, you know, the, the boss of five and then into six and seven for sure. It's, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, six is the ice area which you know we've all said our piece about how we feel about the obligatory ice levels oh but, yeah. Yeah. um but it still just kind of has it, it, it's got a whole section where you have to very precariously jump from platform to platform and if you fall you have to repeat like a big section of that stage mm-hmm. oh, um yeah. seven gets even more ridiculous with you know lava and lots of different paths and enemies just everywhere so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you re- you have to be pretty fine tuned by the time you get to six and seven. But yeah. so, mm-hmm. all right. Well, all in all, I would say recommends from both of us. I mean, yeah, I, 
just I I would I would caution you if you if this is your first time playing it that um, it's it's very old school in its setup and in that you're expected to master this game you know be the master blaster so to speak no uh, <laughs> hey I got through a whole episode without mentioning it but. <laughs> Oh, that's that's one of my pet peeves, though. Is I don't know where this you know went awry that you know all of a sudden like people are like, oh man, Master Blaster is my favorite NES game. It's like, god damn it, that's not the title. <laughs> I don't know. That's always bugged me. But uh, you know, maybe it's a combination of like Mad Max and Stevie Wonder. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. But uh, no, it's just it, it it's a game that um, you know demands your full attention. Um, you know, it, it demands skill and, um, I don't know, I, I think it's rewarding. It's just, you know, the, the older I get, the less time I have to sit down and play through it in its entirety, but I still love the game. You know, it's still one of my favorite NES games. Right. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I, I love the challenge. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I just eat up. Um, as we do more and more episodes of this, you, you know, learn more about me that I, I love those games that, you know, are just like almost relentlessly difficult but Mm -hmm. when you can get through them like you feel like you've really accomplished something and you know it it helps then when the game is got a great story is pretty to look at you know tight gameplay and uh Mm -hmm. it's just a hell of a lot of fun to boot so and i think this is one of those that's it's a really solid package um let me ask you this and um since you love blaster master how what are your thoughts on fester's quest since it's uh, pretty much the same engine and the same overhead style gameplay. You know, I really don't have almost any experience with it. Um, really? I, I rented it once, I believe, and it was because I saw saw somebody play it on a TV show or something, and so I was like, all right, I'm <laughs> in- intrigued. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I rented it once, played it for a weekend, and that's pretty much the only uh, experience I have with it. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, right around the time that the Adams Family movie came out and there was this big, you know, Adams Family craze almost like, you know, they were just, they were back. And, uh, you know, you had a game called Fester's Quest, which um, was weird in itself. But then, like, I remember seeing it and going, wow, this looks exactly like Blaster Master. And then playing it and listening to it, it's like, it sounds very similar. You know, same composer, I think. Um, Same game engine, basically. But, I don't like it nearly as much as Blaster Master, but uh, yeah. you know it, that was one that that I owned later on because it was it was like a ten dollar game new and sealed from KB Toys. Like <laughs> it came out, like I just remember like you know if you looked at and I think if you still go back and look at like retro KB Toys ads, Toys R Us ads, stuff like that, like you'll always see like the same group of budget titles of like Fester's Quest, and Platoon, and you know games that. Nobody gave a shit about, but yeah, um, you know, you had them because they were cheap or whatever. But I don't know. And that game, God, Fester's Quest is just so freaking tough, though. Never beaten it. Hmm. So yeah, I might pick it up just to play through it a little bit more because yeah, I have very little experience. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of interesting, though. I mean, it's you know, this is a it's an engine that at least the uh, the overhead stuff on this, you know, it's something that they could have used in other games and. You know, could have made a sequel to Blaster Master on the NES. I mean, but it just it just boggles my mind that this game, you know, wasn't popular at all in Japan, and then you know, kind of had this cult following for years, 
you know, in the States, we got a sequel in the Game Boy Color, well, sort of a remake, I guess. And then what was next in the PlayStation version, the Wii version, now the uh, Switch slash 3DS one. So, oh, Genesis too. Oh, yeah. Well, I, the less said about that, the better. It's <laughs> just an awful, awful game. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just weird. Oh, and I forgot the uh, Blaster Master Boy on the Game Boy, which is really just a, a Bomber King sequel, just gussied up. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it, as far as like a true sequel um, on the NES, it's kind of sad that, you know, that we didn't get one, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. You know, but for that matter, I, I enjoy that the obviously the franchise is still you know thriving yeah and you know it, i was very hesitant when zero came out because i didn't want just you know another crappy remake or whatever like so to actually see that no it's a a re-envisioning of it but it's mm-hmm. still very very true to the original it's like all right yeah. this i can get on board with it's not going to replace my nes version but no. Um, no but as far as you know like retro style remakes you know i think it's pretty good for yeah. 10 bucks i think it's really good yeah Alrighty, so um, big thumbs up from both of us for Blaster Master. Um, has, there, yeah. has there been a game that we haven't liked yet? Now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, no, not yet, but I'm sure they're coming. Okay, I'm gonna have to pick a real stinker for one of these episodes. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> wow, that would be a fun episode. <laughs> you know, like, what would you do if I'm like, all right, the next game is gonna be Taboo: The Sixth Sense. I'm sick that week. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> All righty. Well, if anybody uh, out there wants to show us or give us some suggestions, pick some maybe game topics for us so that we don't have to do taboo, um, how would they get a hold of us? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Duck Graveyard. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. We've got a, a Facebook page there. We do a lot of good stuff there under Graveyard Duck. Um, you can also find us on the geeknerdery.com uh, site where we host our show. There's a lot of other good shows on there, too. So um, you can also email us at graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, if you're enjoying the show or if you can't stand the show, um, let us know. So love to hear from you. All righty. Well, I think that about wraps this one up. Um, thanks for sticking with us for 10 whole episodes of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we'll be around for at least 10 more. <laughs> or at least one more. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So until next episode, I'm Scott. I'm Wes. And you must discover on your own where these mutant bosses are. But we cannot show you the master boss in stage eight. He's the most powerful of all. Game over.